Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. If you are negotiating with the same workers, at least there are... Oh, Allah, I'm going to What can 6.9 billion do to the economy? Eh? You, you have borrowed more than... A Coalition of opponents of the E-Levy led by the opposition NDC march on the streets of Accra to demonstrate continuous anger against the tax. But was the cry loud enough to be heard by the corridors of power? That's a conversation we'll be having tonight. Also, coming up, university teachers and National Labor Commission failed to come to a consensus over the ongoing strike. The court has asked them to go back and negotiate. We'll be finding out what that still means to academic uh, activities on the campuses of the various public universities. And later on Eyewitness News, Asepas Mensah Thompson granted 50,000 CD bail after pleading not guilty to the charge of false publication. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Governments urged to introduce policies to slow down inflation rates following the recent rise in the rates to 13.9%. That's in some 50 minutes with Netili Neti of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations. Across the globe, we are on citynewsroom.com. It's an interactive show. Do send us your messages on 0549-986-996 as a WhatsApp platform and Telegram 0549 996. You can send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. If you're planning to get out of Accra and can't, uh, you know, you have no idea which station to listen to in case you're out of Accra and still want to listen to Eyewitness News, let me give you the following list which would guide you. If you're going to the Western region, specifically in Takradi, you can tune to Premier FM 100.5. If you're going to the Bono region, Greener FM 95.9 in Sunyani. In the Ashanti region, Orange FM 107.9 in Kumasi. In the Eastern region, Right FM in Somanya on 90.1 would give you eyewitness news hot. Volta region, we are on Holy FM 98.5 in Aflau. In the northern region, tune to Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. In the upper east region, Word FM in Zuarungu on 88.3 will bring you eyewitness news live. And in the upper west region, Boogly Radio got you covered via 88.6 FM in Wa. Let's settle for details of our stories. And the first one has to do with the Yentia demonstration by the NDC and its coalition members. The group had said it was going to hit the streets today to demonstrate and in the morning the members converged on the Kwame Nkrumah circle and walked through the principal streets of Accra through Adabraka through Tudu made a left turn uh, towards the AMA headquarters and then returned towards the AU runabout and completed that demonstration at the frontage of Parliament House 
where the petition that they had was presented by the youth president of the NDC, George Opari Ado. I have been out and about for the city newsroom, uh, hearing from demonstrators why they chose to be on the street today and what exactly their position in opposition was. Let's listen to some sound bites. The numbers increase as the protesters move towards their destination. Clad in red and black, they are demanding a withdrawal of the electronic transfer levy. Their sentiment, captured on placards with varying inscriptions, tag the tax policy as regressive. Others are demanding accountability from the government on utilization of proceeds from existing taxes. The National Youth Organizer of the NDC, George Opare Ado, who is leading the protest, aligns its essence. You send a message well enough. We just hope this government will listen and listen very well. This is the voice of the people and it is the voice of the Lord. The protest has received solidarity from a number of groups. Some driver unions, student groups, political parties and headquarters are some of the groups supporting the protest. Some of them have been engaged in city news. This protest is in different partitions. And when I say that, it is not only NDC that is demonstrating today. Inclusive coalition of concerned universities. There are about seven groups demonstrating today. And we have NDC, the NAPCO concerned, OCADES. So we are students here. We believe that the government has been insensitive to the plight and grievances of lecturers. And speaking on behalf of ordinary Ghanaian university students, we want to say that it is now or never. We believe if government is to even meet UTAG halfway, it will motivate them to call off the strike and return back to the classrooms, which will further enhance academic work and the smooth running of the academic calendar. Minority members of parliament have thrown their support for the protest. The ex-MP for Ningo Pampram, Sam George, on how they have been encouraged to reject the levy. E-levy is something that Ghanaians, Ghanaians are angry about. Ghanaians are angry about. It's something that Ghanaians have said we are not interested in. We think that there, there are better ways of finding and raising resources for the country. The government is made up of lazy, incompetent individuals. As a minority, we ask them, what do you want? Revenue? You want to raise 6.9 billion. We as a minority have shown government how to raise 10 billion. We have shown, we have shown government, if it is about revenue, they say they want 6.9 billion. We've shown them how to raise 10 billion. They're not ready to do it. All they are interested in is imposing the hardship on the Ghanaian people. We cannot sit down. The protesters exhibiting zero tolerance for the policy. As they say, it will impact negatively on their standards of living. Well, as you are very much aware, they said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And we are all affected by the negative aspect of the 
electronic stealing levy that the government of Ghana is trying to bring about. So therefore, any group of people that go out there to manifest the fact that the ramifications of e-levy are monumental on all of us, they have our blessing and we must support them to achieve same. Irrespective of our ideological differences, we have a single agenda that e-levy is simply inimical, it is bankrupt, it is a way of stealing, and we should not tolerate stealing. My General Secretary of the NDC, Johnson Asidun Ketia, has assured of readiness of the next NDC government to scrap the levy in case it is passed. We are social democrats. We believe in taxation, but we believe that when you raise taxes, you use them for the benefit of the masses. So you cannot raise taxes and be using the taxes in buying birthday cakes and be teasing the rest of Ghanaians that this is what we are going to use your money for. In any unlikely event that this e-levy is passed, we will abolish it and it will be the first task to be abolished within the first 100 days of the NDC government because we don't see it as taxation. It is daylight robbery. So that was a report by City News' Hansen Ajiman. Uh, he was on the field as well today following uh, the demonstration. I was there. I'll bring you some of the uh, sound bites um, so you hear. But before then, let's speak to the man who organized the demonstration, the chief organizer. Uh, Giorgio Pariado is um, national youth organizer of the NDC. He's also known as Pablo. Mr. Pariado, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. It, it was tiring. Um, it was a long journey. Was it worth it? Um, good evening to your listeners. Yes, it was worth it. Um, it was for a good cause. We decided to embark on this exercise to register our displeasure and tell the good people of this country that if nobody's willing to fight for them, there are some concerned Ghanaians that are willing to fight, speak out, and tell President Nanaradan Mahmoud Baumia that we will not pay the E-Levy. So it was worth it. At least we got the opportunity to present our petition to the right honorable speaker. Do you think the powers that be have really heard you? Um, we did not appeal to the president who doesn't listen. We have appealed to the representatives of the people of the parliament. As it stands now, the levy lies in the bosom of parliament. And so that bill is passed. Mama Adankwe Mahmoud Baumia cannot start collecting the e-levy. If it was within their right, they would have started implementing it. And because it does not lay with them, it does not lie with them for them to be able to pass the E-Levy in the bosom of Parliament. We expect Parliament to do the right thing. Parliament is a representation of the people. And we reminded them of their role, the petition we presented. The role of Parliament is to serve as a check on the executive. And we expect them to play that role very effectively. So we are asking Parliament to do the honourable thing. We are not asking the President. As for the President, we know he will not listen. His other matter, his friends are doing it. That is why he sent his finance minister around the country, wasting our money, the little resources we have, wasting it, embarking on a very venture that we know will not bear any good fruit. What was the conduct of the demonstration like? The police that uh, deployed to support you. Um, was it effective? Was it professional, the, the service um, they rendered you today? The last 
two, this is the second demonstration I have led in the last one year. We did one late last year, the March for Justice. It was then under the watch of the then IGP, Mr. Opombueno, police conducting themselves very well. It was the initial altercations that we had with them when we wrote and they said they would not allow us and we had to challenge them and tell them that even the law they were called to expert. But when it got to the attention of Honorable Opombueno, the then IGP invited us, we had a very fruitful discussion and then that demonstration took place. The police were very professional on that day. I also want to take the opportunity to commend the current IGP and his team, the Great Accra Regional Commander, the Director of Operations, and everybody who saw today's demonstration. The police acted very well, they acted professional, and we also conducted ourselves very well. So let me also commend the many Ghanaians who came out in their numbers, the various groups, the, the members of the Coalition of Concerned Ghanaians, and every other Ghanaian who came out, they also conducted ourselves very well. We followed the routes we all agreed on, and we did just as we have our plan. So both ways, everybody did well. What next? Um, we are waiting. We said that this is the beginning of many other demonstrations. Our letter to the police stated that we'll be doing a nationwide protest. This is just the very first. Uh, we'll do an assessment of what has happened today. We'll listen to the ground and wait to hear from the right honorable speaker. If we realize that they are not going to listen to the petition, we intend to embark on similar exercises across the country. But going forward, we intend to join the March for the, 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 the Ghana for Justice group, the Admonders group, in occupying Parliament until such a time that the bill is finally thrown out or abandoned by this current administration. Those who were presumably uh, against the E-Levy, former President Mahama was not on the street today. Presumably, he is in support of the E-Levy. Um, you, you cannot come to that reasonable conclusion. Not everybody had the opportunity of being in the street. And as you, you walked with us, you saw many people in the offices urging us on. They could not come because maybe they had work to do. I believe former President Mama had some very important things to do. But I can tell an authority... M more, more important than joining his party to protest against an E-Levy that the exchange fisticuffs for? President Mama called us to express his support. And I can say this on authority. He called us to express his support. And apart from that, I know that President Mama is also against the E-Levy. Because for my general secretary to speak on authority and say that when the NDC comes into power in 2025, in the most unlikely event the E-Levy is passed, we will abolish it. It means that he has spoken to the right people. And President Mahama is an integral and a big stakeholder in such decisions. So I can assure you that he's in full support of the fight against the E-Levy. Let's let's stay a little longer on that bold statement made by General Mosquito that uh, you are going to reverse the E-Levy if it comes to pass and you happen to win the next general election. We've heard that before in the past. Politicians have promised to reverse policies introduced by governments and when they assume the reign of power, they end up utilizing that policy and even enhancing it further. What exactly is what you are putting on the line in making this promise to us that if you should get re-elected, E-Levy will be out of the window? The E-Levy is an unconscionable tax, Mara. No government in its right senses, apart from this insensitive government led by another bankrupt that has dug a hole and is thinking and wants everybody to think with it, will resort to E-Levy. 
when I ask you what kind of taxes they let you struggle to classify it under any of the taxes we know. Is it an income tax? Is it a corporate tax? Is it a sales tax? Is it a value added tax? Is it an excise tax or a preventive tax? We can't classify it under any because nowhere in this world is capital tax. The moment you start taxing capital, your tax base reduces because the more people work with capital, the more money they make, the more taxes they pay. And it is taxes that develop the nation. When you start taxing capital, if I have 100,000 and you are taxing my 100,000 of my capital at the onset, when the money has not generated any revenue or income for me, what it simply means is that you are reducing my, my, my capital in working or expanding or paying more taxes. Because once my profit margins are reduced, because the, the amount of money I put in is the amount of money that is in our crew in terms of profit. So clearly, it is an unconscionable tax. So if we say we abolish it, we are not saying that we don't have to tax e-commerce. We believe that taxes develop nations. There is a big difference from segregating and finding out and targeting people who are doing commercial transactions online and are not within the tax bracket than issuing a blank statement and saying that all mobile money transactions should be taxed. That is a no-brainer. It's a lazy man's approach, and the MPPs refuses to think. This is a government that has run out of ideas, and I don't know what happened to the fantastic economic management team of Mahmoud Baumia. Because this is not a fantastic idea. This is lame. This is a lazy man's approach. And this is a government that is failing and is holding and hanging on to straws. Whether they like it or not, their ship is sinking and it's sinking very fast. Thank you for speaking to us. That's George Opariado, also known as Pablo, who is a national youth organizer of the NDC. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's return to the streets of Accra and hear more demonstrators. formed an association which they have joined this particular demonstration they say that the increase in fuel prices is a problem for them and they are here to register their protest my brother tell me why you are demonstrating oh allah yeah, and there are dozens, if not hundreds, and they are simply saying that they are appalled by the state of affairs, and they are registering that protest by riding their motorbikes and registering that displeasure. Now, if you recall, the NDC manifesto has given indications when it was campaigning, the party was campaigning. So, yeah, uh, the, the Kayayo or the headquarters are also, are also uh, showing their own uh, concern, and it's the reason that they are carrying their headpans and making the statement that they want to make. Uh, what is your name? My name is Farid Bamba, and I'm coming from Ejra. We are not paying, it's a killer tax. Why won't you pay? The yeah. government needs money to build roads for you to ride your motorbike on. They have borrowed. They, they have borrowed more than expected. They have borrowed about 560 million, a billion. They, they have been given, uh, what is it, during the COVID-19, COVID and they were not able to account for it. And then, what, what can 6.9 billion do to the economy? Eh? You, you have borrowed more than expected. is that, uh, that was 2019, I used to buy fuel, uh, 20 CD. I can work for first, second, third which is for two days or three days. 
But now, if I buy 20 CD, I wait for only, let's say, two hours. And I don't know what is going on in Ghana. So they say we should come and do something. And that's something that I'm into it. This is my motorbike. It parks here. I push it from cycle to this place, Coco Ball. You can't push, push fuel inside. I, there is no money to buy fuel. And Akufadu is saying that he will also tax me again to pay, which is e-levy. Now, if I don't have money to buy fuel, where will I get money to pay e-levy? I'm asking you. But you are doing this for your party, or are you not doing it for your party? I don't have any party. What's your, what's your name? My name is Gideon. Have you seen any party color in me? So will you continue with the demonstration or not? Yes, I will. And by you will be pushing your bike? That is what I am doing. Who else is pushing their bike? Because I see that you have, have stopped. a lot of people. So, so, all, so all of you, uh, why, have you why have you stopped your motorbike? Why are you not moving? Okay. We don't pay the eleven. We don't want it. Eleven. Okay. Let me talk to your chairman. Chairman, what, what is the problem? You people cannot go anymore. The problem is the eleven. Our current president, Nana Adukdangwa Akufuadu, one brought in Ghana here. We can never accept it because the nation, it be the youth, be the nation. And if you brought something that you say no, you must listen to them. When we talk, you don't want to listen to us. That is the reason why we come out to do some demonstration. The whole world to see, CNN to see, and see what's going on in our nation. Because they believe in the message, and the message is struggle. There must be resistance to impunity, and that is precisely what we are doing. You have been in this space for quite a long time. This protest has been organized by the youth group. Um, does this remind you of any uh, other protest that you have had to lead yourself? Do you well, it reminds me of my youthful days. So that is why I have come to give a message of solidarity. I believe that the youth have started doing the right things now. Because if we are building a nation, and we claim we are building the nation for the youth, they must be interested in what type of nation that will be handed over to them. So if they sit idle by, thinking that uh, they will inherit a good thing, while they are aware that the wrong things are being done, it will come to hurt them. These loans we are taking to a point where we cannot even pay interest. We take loans to pay interest on top of loans. I think that it is something that the youth must be interested in and to stop it now. What the youth are saying is that no more monkey business in Ghana. No more monkey business in Ghana. Be interested in how our faith is being decided. Whatever affects all must be decided by all. And we are saying that no more monkey business. No uh, e-levy. Have you seen the e-levy cake? Yes, I've seen it. That is to tell you what the e-levy, even if it is collected, what it will be used for. And they are proud about it. What do you eat cake for? You use cake as dessert. They have chopped all the money. And they now want e-levy to use as a dessert for whatever they have embezzled. And so if they are happy about it, it sends a message to Ghanaians what they want to do with the process of e-levy. Many, President Kufuado will be your contemporary when it comes to the politics in Ghana. You seem to understand the call of the NDC youth, and he, together with his government, do not understand this call. What does it say? 
Well, let me say that he's not my contemporary. I have followed him before, but he was much, much older than me. And so he's not my contemporary. But I have said that if you ever see any politician who practices something different from what he preaches, then that politician is a liar. It's not somebody who needs to be followed. You ask yourself, were we not in this country when uh, 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 laws were made to abolish criminal libel? You, the media people, ask yourself, what is happening in this country now? Is that your reward for the abolition of the criminal libel law? Is that your reward? Just yesterday, one of you has been sentenced to jail. He's rotting in jail now. And you are quiet because of the culture of silence. You are all scared. You cannot talk. It is the youth who should speak up. For some people, for some people, the NDC should be the last to talk about taxation because you impose a lot of taxes. We are not, talking, we are not saying that taxation is bad. But what you do with taxation and the type of taxation? Taxation is levied on production or value addition or service rendered. What service has government rendered to the users of Momo to qualify for any taxation? This is not taxation. It is daylight robbery. This is not taxation. It is daylight robbery. So they cannot uh, talk about taxation. We are social democrats. We believe in taxation. But we believe that when you raise taxes, you use them for the benefit of the masses. So you cannot raise taxes and be using the taxes in buying birthday cakes and be teasing the rest of Ghanaians that this is what we are going to use your money for. The NPP has argued that what... ...how to account for every person they have taken from the taxpayer. The NPP has argued that what alternatives do you have? What is your answer to them? The alternatives are there. What they came to abolish, they are the alternatives. Who in his right senses in this country, as a minister for transport or minister for roads, to argue that let us abolish road tolls and then convert the toll booths into toilets and urinals? Is it proper up there? There is something wrong there. He must be taken to mental hospital to check the state of his mind. So that's the chief scribe, General Secretary of the NDC, Johnson Asiedun Ketia, speaking to uh, City News' Hansen Ajiman. Earlier you heard me speak there to some Okada riders and other demonstrators, or who were part of the Yintia demonstration organized by coalition led by the National Democratic Congress. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Were you on the streets today or were you not? Either way, let me know. What do you think? 0549-986-996 or tweet at me using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda with a U or at City973 and the world will hear your view. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are broadcasting from Adabraka 
in Accra. The big story tonight is that NDC and a coalition uh, that it has le it it's leading went on the streets today to demonstrate against the E-Levy. This has got Baba Mu from Tamale speaking and he says, what is the credibility of Mr. Sirenketia? For the first time, the NDC demonstrated without burning ties on the street. Anyway, kudos to the police service for supervising the NDC demo. Owo says, CTFM cry. Were you guys there to mock the protesters or what? Prince Nuruddin Baumia says, We want development, but we are not ready to sacrifice for the nation to be developed. That's Ghana for you. Mahama Bakojo from Isium says, Whoever gave this advice to use such cake design has rather caused serious damage to the e-levy sensitization. MPP has lost touch with the current reality and strategic focus. Baba Chairman in Tamale says demonstrations are legal and anybody has the right to do just that. But I recall how they let my vote count people, including Gabi and Justice Ajakuma, were brutalized for engaging in a legal demonstration. This government is absolutely tolerant. Prince Henry in Koforida says Nana Baumia are afraid of going to the IMF because of karma. They are afraid Ghanaians will criticize them for castigating the NDC government for going to the IMF. The MPP government should forget about the E-Levy and track the 12 billion AG said we lost. Alex Kofi Yareni says, please let's turn our attention to the UTAG and government tassel because students are not ready to pay fees and not get tuition. Also, politicians should stay away from student politics so we can have level-head student leadership. And that's actually where we segue into the issue of education. Last week, uh, there was a court directive to UTAG and NLC for a meeting, after which meeting they are out of court settlement, after which they report to the court today, Thursday. They returned to the court today, but they could not really present anything tangible to the court. The court has asked them to go back and return on Tuesday. What exactly is happening in the education sector? Kwesi Kwaten is PRO for the Ministry of Education. Mr. Kwaten, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Now, I know that it was NLC that is um, in that suit, not your ministry, not the government. But of course, you are interested. It appears that the stalemate continues. That's problematic for the education sector, isn't it? Yes, very good evening to you, ma'am. It is really unfortunate that we find ourselves in this situation. I must admit that uh, for us in the ministry... Mr. Quartin, uh, I'm not sure if uh, where you are is, is a problem or the gadget you're using, but can you restate are your you, position? Are you able to hear me? Now I can hear you. Thank you. Okay, so it's better now? Yes, please. Okay, very well. So I was saying that uh, the situation that we find ourselves is quite unfortunate and uh, problematic. It was in the ministry, particularly the Minister for Education. It's become a big headache. Uh, that you go to university campuses and instead of seeing uh, students uh, having access to their school academic activities, unfortunately, uh, may have to be stranded in the universities before because their lectures are not on campus. And if they are even on campus, they are not teaching entirely unnecessarily. And it is the more reason why we began even an engagement process with the leadership of UTAC. And not only the leadership of UTAC, but even all other stakeholders who we felt were relevant in addressing the concerns that we had, were, were raised by UTAC. If you recall, uh, just last week we met uh, the 
Vice Chancellor Ghana, also with the folks that will be able to get them uh, in our engagement with UTAC so that we should be able to find a lasting solution to this. And we, as the Ministry of Education, are badly hit because, I mean, this is directly under our sector. And then ultimately, decisions have to be, leadership has to be demonstrated. So we felt that it was right to engage the leadership of UTAC and all other stakeholders. If you recall, for instance, just last Wednesday, we, we, last Tuesday, we met them. Uh, when the meeting was inconclusive today, we were scheduled to meet them also in the morning. If you care to do today, for instance, let me put it in the context, it was more or less like the entire government machinery that was present, because you had the Minister for National Security, Honorable Kandapa, present, representatives of the Ministry of Labor and, 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 and Employment, the minister himself and his deputy uh, also had rest from the finance ministry. So largely, where, where the government side was able to represent them. Of course, I mean, we couldn't have negotiated because the, the Labor Laws Act very clear, as was indicated earlier by the National Labor Commission, that uh, you are unable to negotiate when parties are on strike. So it, it's, it's quite a, a very uh, dicey situation that we, we really find ourselves. And for us in the ministry, our priority is to be able to get UTAC back to the classroom. And so we'll continue to engage. Uh, the court initially gave a timeline of which uh, our engagement largely was inconclusive, and parties agreed that we'll continue to engage. And that position was affirmed by the court earlier this afternoon. And so for us in the ministry, we'll continue to engage, we'll continue to appeal to the leadership of UTAC that uh, there should be some level of uh, flexibility and uh, there should be uh, 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 a, a clear roadmap in building some concessions so that ultimately we should be finding an end to this uh, impasse that we find ourselves in. But the issue is money, isn't it? Uh, you are simply not agreeing to the terms that UTAG has put forth. And we are told by UTAG, UTAG officials that you were simply supposed to make a proposal to them today and they could call it quits. But you could simply you could not you could not and that becomes a problem for them so they continue to be on the strike that they are and that they will not just take your promises but they would want to see some tangibles what tangibles are you putting on the table okay thank you very much tomorrow i think it's an important for us to all of us once again educate ourselves that uh whatever we are doing which has to be conducted within the framework of the law as as, as law abiding citizens and then even though we are bent on getting our professors back to the classroom, it must be conducted within the framework of the law of, of right stated. Our engagement, whether behind the scenes, whether official engagement, none of them has been about negotiations. So that distinction needs to be said clearly. That, for instance, if we look at today's meeting and that of Tuesday, it had nothing to do with negotiations uh, so-called political. It was more about how parties could build consensus to call off the strike and then go ahead to negotiate. It is only a negotiation when you are able to address the critical and the specific issues that has been addressed, being it monetary or whatever. And of course, I mean, it's only at the negotiation table where you are able to determine the validity or otherwise of, 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 of those claims that have been made. But at no point have government or the Ministry of Education, government entirely, Check uh, their responsibility or deny that those claims are not valid. Ministry of Education, government entirely want to engage with that at all times.
But like I said, it should be conducted within the framework of the law. The labor laws are clear that you, you are unable to negotiate when parties are, are on strike. And so it is a more reason why the minister uh, uh, today led the charge and appealed to Utah that, well, yes, those concerns could be addressed. And that assurance was given. But it could be addressed at only when the parties are negotiating. And those negotiations can only come up when uh, uh, parties are not strike. And again, I think, interestingly, uh, whilst we also look at that aspect, I think we should also be asking questions why NLC gives an, uh, an, an order that parties should call off strike and go back to negotiating. Then some way, somehow, Utah also, uh, also elects not to also go by the, the, the ruling of NLC. I think it becomes quite problematic when in, in, in an attempt to resolve an issue, you have parties standing at, at, at entrenched positions. But for us in the ministry, we continue to engage the issues that have been raised. But those issues can only be raised, can only be addressed uh, within a proper framework. And those proper framework is at only when uh, parties are called of the strike and, and negotiations uh, are, I mean, take, take effect. And that is what we believe that should, should, should be done. But of course, I mean, we cannot also be entirely legalistic there is that balance somewhere, but I'm uh, unable to necessarily give the specifics. That, is, that will even be prejudicial to the very the very engagement that the parties have, have, have alluded ourselves to. As, as I speak to you, engagements have not ended. We continue to engage. And so the specifics as to party A says he wants A, party B says I'm able to give you this. We've not got it there. But even if such engagements have begun behind, behind, behind the scenes, uh, clearly, it can be a matter of public uh, document. Uh, but what I can say is that we can only assure parents that the ministry is engaging in Utah, not only ministry, but the government will continue to engage as we've done in the past. And we are very hopeful that uh, within this time or framework, uh, time space that the judge has, has set for all parties, we should be able to at uh, least resolve our issues. Let me also put on record that uh, Utah has been forthcoming They've been very collaborative. They've been very committed. And everybody, including the side of government, really want to uh, bring this and pass one. And, and we, we are very sure that we should be getting to the end of this uh, of, of this issue. Very well. Um, while we are doing all of this and having this back and forth, the students are whiling away in their halls and, 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 and private hostels. What is the state of affairs? We have been told about the possibility of closing down the schools if the students are in school for more than three weeks and there's no lecture or there are no lectures ongoing. Now, for the past three weeks, the lectures have not been ongoing. Uh, these students are spending the little money that they have on them in the school. What should they do? Should they park and go? Tomorrow, uh, we cannot pretend that we are in a very challenging moment. We cannot pretend that there is no issue to be addressed. We cannot pretend that it will obviously take me that to address. We cannot pretend that ultimately parties will have to build consensus and uh, 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 some form of flexibility before we are able to get to this, um, the bottom of it. Ultimately, when we are able to get our lectures back to classroom, of course, those uh, uh, consequential decisions will also be made. Uh, but in the meantime, I personally have not seen any direct provision in any of the university statutes that requires that universities be closed down uh, after three weeks in, in, in a strike. Uh, of course, uh, 
I've also my attention was recently drawn to that of the UCC statute. But even in that one, it gives the prerogative to the academic board to make such a decision. And even there have been other school of thought who have even argued otherwise. Of course, we we all do agree that on the face value in terms of the teaching activity is being withdrawn by our lecture. But other arguments and other school of thought has also been advanced as well. When you talk about academic activities, lecturers are still on campus, they are doing researches and other things. But for us in the ministry, that is even not entirely our focus. Our focus is that we should be able to get our, 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 our professors back to the classroom. And that is the headache of the minister. That is the headache of the ministry. That is what we will continue to work towards. We will continue to appeal to them. We will continue to assure parents that uh, we should be seeing the end of this. And, and as demonstrated by all parties, the commitment that has been demonstrated by all parties throughout the engagement uh, at different platforms. I'm very hopeful that uh, before Tuesday we get to the court, at least we should be able to get something concrete to tell the judge and uh, probably get to the end of this matter as soon as possible. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. Kwesi Kwaten is PRO of the Ministry of education. When we come back, we hear from Utah. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let me bring a few more of your uh, messages. AU Farouk in Tamale says, In fact, today Ghana has witnessed a day of shame when the entire country rejected the destructive and killer e-levy. This e-levy is the laziest way of taxing Ghanaians. Um, slightly used virgin says, Which subject verb agreement is the Ministry of Education PRO using? Wisdom Bedra says, I will certainly join the streets. Uh, taxes are levied on productivity. Why would the educated rob the masses like this? Nukunu Foga says, the continuous closure of our land borders can no longer be a wise decision. We are hard hit economically and psychologically. Uh, Mohammed Aminu says, the absence of His Excellency JDM doesn't mean lack of support as there were thousands uh, of us who supported the protest but couldn't join for reasons of equal importance. Um, okay, more tweets are coming through. Uh, Prince Nuruddin Baumia says, We want development, but we are not ready. Okay, I think I've read that already. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTV. Let's go back to the issue of um, education. And um, we've already heard from the Ministry of Education on the state of affairs there. Let's speak to the University Teachers Association of Ghana. Professor Ransford Jampo is with UTAG um, at the University of Ghana. He's the General Secretary of the Union at the University of Ghana. Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, last week, the court gave you up to uh, today to revert with uh, an amicable solution of a sort. First of all, you rejected the invitation by NLC for that conversation to happen. You showed up today and the court said it was not satisfied and asked you to go back and return. Why didn't you go meet NLC, have a conversation, come to a con consensus and return to the court today? And uh, why did the court also again ask you to return to the negotiation table? Thank you. I think um, so last week um, the court um, advised, it was just an advice 
that we sit down. You know, NLC are taking us are taking us to court. Um, that our strike was illegal or is illegal, and the court felt that we could start out um, the issues um, out of court and through the direct advice. Prof, I'm having difficulties hearing you. Could you please uh, speak up? Hello, can you can you hear me? Yes, please. Yes. Is it better? I'm mm. saying that last week, the court, upon hearing the case in camera, um, advised that um, we should sit down with the NLC. Um, that are that are taking us to court to pass out the issue. Um, the NLC simply are taking us to court because, in its view, it felt that our strike was illegal. But our main issue and concern is about our conditions of service. And so, when the court directed, our lawyers also met and felt that um, maybe um, they they had to they could have drawn the attention of the judge. Um, to the fact that it is the NLC that has taken us to court and um, about the legality of our strike. And so if you tell them that we should go and sit down again with them, I mean, what will we be achieving? Are we going to um, just um, fix their call that our, our strike is illegal and so it must be called on? And so the lawyers advise that we are better off uh, meeting rather with our employers because at the end of the day, it's about... It's, it's the, it's not so much about um, the strike, um, whether it is legal or it is illegal. If so, it has to do more, or it has to do more with um, the conditions of service of of, of investigation. And so we wrote to the NLC telling them that if you think that it would be more appropriate for us to meet with um, the employers. And so because of that, I think a meeting was convened by the Ministry of Education uh, with all the stakeholders. Um, Participation. I'm talking about the Fair Wage and Salaries Commission, Employment Ministry, even BCC, where all the UTAG was also there. I think there's been discussions, but these discussions have ended in filming. And so, you know, the court um, last week said we should go back um, to them today. So we went there, and then um, the court, the judge asked that um, the matter. Uh, that our our council approached the bench and to have discussions um, about the matter. Afterwards, the judge still ruled that uh, or advised that uh, he still feels that the matter must be taken out of court by the NLC and um, we should find an amicable solution um, to it and return to the court again next week, I think, on the 15th. And so basically, um, that is that. Are you hopeful that by next week there will be a solution? I've, I've kept on saying that no teacher, investigator, or no teacher, workplace, or adult is interested in strike. And so um, we are not happy with this whole impasse. And then we're hoping that some finality will be brought um, to the matter. And so we are hopeful. Um, next week will be about the fifth week. And we are not happy about what is going on. So we are hopeful that um, we would all be able to find some solution to the impasse so that lectures would return to the classroom. Are you willing to take a promise? Am I willing to do what? Take a promise from the government that the solution there will be a solution uh, in the interim uh, so you return to the classroom. Well, you see, the caliber of um, people... Utah leadership 
preside over are university teachers and university professors. And so no no decision is taken without recourse to your constituents. Okay, so whether there is a promise and whether the promise will be accepted or not is contingent on what the members tell their leaders. And I'm telling you, it appears that many political elites do not appreciate this, that uh, and there is a fundamental misunderstanding of the, the, uh, the, the full problem that we are grappling with. Now it's about the members. It's not about the leaders. And so if you meet the leaders and you talk to them, they are helpless in helping um, any, any, anybody unless they recourse or they, they go back to their members to solicit their views. And so if there is a promise that is made, you would have to go bound the promise with members. It is what they say that what uh, that leaders will be able to um, carry out or, or implement. And so um, it, is, it is more complicated and complex than we think. Previously, um, when you have industrial action and you have arms like this, you could meet with the leadership and uh, reach a deal with them and then go to sleep, hoping that once the leadership have agreed, um, it will cascade or the members will automatically agree. This time, if you elite and you go do that without recourse to your members, you'll be impeached. And already, I've said it, that some processes have been um, commenced, have been, have even been commenced against some, some leaders. And so everybody is cautious. Everything that you want to say, everything you want to do, you want to bounce the ideas with your, with your members. For me, the best approach to handling this is for an effort to be made to reach out to members. And I'm calling, I've said it over and over again, now it appears that uh, members um, see these meetings or the approach Hello, Prof. I'm afraid we've lost Professor Jampo. The network is a bit dodgy tonight. Professor Jampo um, runs for that. His professor runs for Jampo. is the secretary of UTAC UG branch or the University of Ghana branch of UTAC. And he was speaking to us there about a stalemate between them and their employers while the strike continues. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Eno, what else do we have? The executive director of ASEPA, Mensa Thompson, has pleaded not guilty to two criminal charges of publication of false news and offensive conduct conducive to the breach of peace. He has subsequently been admitted to a bill sum of 50,000 Ghana cities with two sureties. He is also to report twice to the investigating officer at the Teshi District's Police Command at least twice a week. Mr. Thompson put up a Facebook post last year alleging that President Okufuado's relatives used the presidential jet on a shopping spree to the United Kingdom. Subsequently, he retracted the post and apologized for it. Police Prosecutor Inspector Ebenezer Te Okufu told the Kaneshi District Court that Mr. Thompson's post had the potential of inciting the youth of Numa against the family of President Okufuado. He told the court that investigations were still ongoing and prayed that the accused person be remanded. The lawyer for Mensa Thompson, Victor Kojoga Adaudu, spoke to City News after proceedings. Um, for now, what I can just say is that, yes, the sureties are ready, but the process is that the sureties will have to go and see the houses where the sureties live. And I think that is what uh, the police are going to do. And we believe that before the close of the day or tomorrow morning, 
he should be uh, free man should have some respite uh, of freedom so that is what we believe does the close of the day look feasible considering the time the time at which they are now leaving the court premises if, if it is not the most important thing is that the court has granted him bail and the bill the court has granted him we are grateful to the court i, I think the courts in its wisdom said something that I also appreciated whilst we asked for the bill that this is not a matter in which um, the president directly is involved where the tension in the country, people trying to tear it apart. And it sends me some wisdom that every time we want to, you know, tango or there's a banter between each other, we realize that we are tearing this country apart. We, we need to come together and every time trying to tear each other apart. I, I saw wisdom in it. Anytime I come to this court, every now and then, I find some wisdom in the pronouncement of the court. Victor Kojoga Adaudu is lawyer for the executive director for ASEPA, Mensa Thompson. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Nettie. Let's settle for the details. Economists with Data Bank Carriage Booty has expressed concern over the impact of rising inflation on the purchasing power of Ghanaians. The current year-on-year inflation of 13.9% for the first month of 2022 is the highest recorded since the Ghana Statistical Service rebased the Consumer Price Index in August 2019. The rate is 1.3 percentage points higher than the 12.6% recorded in December 2021. In an interview with City Business News, Courage Booty urged governments to introduce policies and programs that would deal with supply chain disruptions which are contributing to the high inflation rates in the country. Inflation has been on the uptrend for most of the second half of the year, and that is coming from the pandemic in inflation, which has died off in the first half of 2020, and we had infl- uh, 2022, uh, 2021, sorry, and we've had inflation decline to all the way, I think, 7.8 at some point. But thereafter, it started increasing. What are the things driving it? The impact of all of the monetary intervention from the Bank of Ghana in the uh, COVID era, that is one hand of the uh, situation. And on the other hand, we are having supply-side constraints. I mean, the BS growth is recovering, but the economy hasn't recovered that much to the pre-COVID levels. And so issues, things related to food supply uh, and another supply chain that are still yet to get back to their normal levels. I think that the demand-pulled inflation or the demand-driven inflation can be contained by monetary policy. But what is difficult to the supply-side shocks? which is a bit outside monetary policy control. And so that is where uh, structural measures and, I mean, uh, strategies must be deployed to increase supply and then address any supply bottlenecks along the chain so that we could have the economy return to, say, the pre-COVID levels. That was an economist with Data Bank, Courage Booty. Workers at the Ghana Airport Company Limited have called on government to not delay in announcing a substantive head for the institution. 
The call follows the dismissal of the managing director of the company, Yao Kwakwa, yesterday. The termination of the appointment of Mr. Kwakwa was captured in a letter from the Transport Ministry directing the board chairman of the Ghana Airport Company Limited to honor a directive from the president. Speaking to City Business News on the way forward, the Deputy General Secretary of the Public Services Workers Union of the Trades Union Congress, John Sampa, noted that even as the transition team has been announced, they want workers and other stakeholders to be engaged extensively going forward. When it comes to top management or top leadership like the chief executive level, it is the government's sole prerogative appoint and disappoint. And therefore, as a workers' group, our interest is uh, whoever is appointed by the president who will execute the mandate of the organization by... um, uh, taking cognizance of all relevant stakeholders, including the workers' group for our lead. It is extremely important. Ghana Airport Company is a very huge uh, state uh, institution. It has international uh, uh, links, and that any, any delay in appointing a substantive or somebody to manage the place efficiently will actually affect uh, the image of the company. Nevertheless, we are optimistic that uh, from the information we got from the board, they are putting a transition team in place, and very soon they will announce the new move for the company. That was the Deputy General Secretary of the Public Services Workers Union of the Trades Union Congress, John Sampa. The Ghana Tourism Authority is hopeful that the Tetekwashi Koko Farm is going to be one of the best tourist centers in a few years to come. The authority believes the current developments being done on Ghana's first Koko Farm will attract more tourists and investors to grow the awareness and consumption of Ghana's Koko. Speaking to Business News on the sidelines of the opening of the Chocolate City as part of the National Chocolate Week celebrations, CEO of the Ghana Tourism Authority, Akwesi Achiman, disclosed that a museum is being built at the Tetekwashi Koko Farm to achieve the goal of making it one of the most talked about tourist centers in Ghana. The farm is um, the first cocoa farm in the country. Last year, we started off with building a cocoa museum there. We are going to improve upon that. And now we've seen that there's more experiential uh, tourism growing. And so in, in that sense, what we intend to do is to create a whole value chain. So when you go, it's like you can see the farm, you can see the pot, and how cocoa or chocolate is made throughout the value chain. And so that will be an addition to the chocolate museum or the cocoa museum that is there. And we've also, in discussion with the Minister of Information last time, looking at uh, instituting a festival up there so that we can do the cocoa or chocolate festival up the mountain to also drive people there. So by the time we come back here next year, I'm very sure that the Tekwashi Cocoa Farm will be one of the best tourism attractions in the country. Akwesia Jiman is the CEO of the Ghana Tourism Authority. Ghanaian women entrepreneurs with the potential to provide petroleum support services to Ghana's offshore petroleum industry have bemoaned difficulties in getting contracts as professionals. Despite efforts by government and other non-governmental organizations to ensure more women get the opportunity to play a role in the oil industry through capacity building, women entrepreneurs on the ground say they are still they are still finding it difficult. Our Western Regional Correspondent, Akwesi Yunimijay, takes a look at the obstacles some women entrepreneurs face day in, day out in the petroleum industry. 
Data from the Petroleum Commission indicates that only 20% of petroleum support service providers are businesses owned by Ghanaian women, a situation seen by civil society watchers of Ghana's petroleum industry considering the critical role women play in the Ghanaian society. To address the situation, Solomon Kusi Ampofo of the Friends of the Nation, which in collaboration with other civil society players like the Center for Public Interest Law, have been organizing capacity training for women entrepreneurs and small medium enterprises, says the situation calls for deliberate initiatives to support women. It's important that companies also even have direct um, gender responsive initiatives that are targeted as women to build these women up. Our statistics shows that um, only about 20% of um, service providers within the oil and gas industry are businesses that are owned by women, which is very low. Our target is to get about, at least about 40% in the next um, 8 to 10 years, and we believe that with these uh, initiatives, we can be able to get to that level where we have at least 40% of uh, women as service providers, as vendors, and also as the, some of the giant players within the oil and gas industry. At an Osfam and NORAD-funded capacity building program on local content opportunities for women entrepreneurs organized by Friends of the Nation and Center for Public Interest Law in Takrade, some of the women entrepreneurs, while sharing their experiences with getting contracts commended ENI and TALO on their capacity building initiatives for women entrepreneurs, but called on other players in the industry to help with capacity building and financial support. Uh, most of the women entrepreneurs have not built their capacity and they are not opportunity ready. So some of these opportunities, when they are presented, we cannot take them. Uh, for example, like today's program that is organized by Friends of the Nation, and we have a rep from Talo that came. You can see that they have a lot of social inventions that they've done in the community. But the question I ask myself as an entrepreneur is that, how prepared am I to take such opportunities? So that is the homework I'm going to do so that next year, when any of these opportunities come, I can take advantage of them. Akwesi Ejeenim filed that report. And that will be all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Linete. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandamado. Now, while the NDC and its uh, other allies were on the streets of Accra demonstrating, the government side was intending people there why the e levy is necessary. Ken Oforiata is the Minister of Finance. He was leading the charge for government. Let's listen to what he's been telling them at a town hall meeting. When I sit in my office, it's really a very, very different mindset. And that's why we are doing these town halls, so that you get a sense of what is motivating the things we do and why we do them. Uh, and the deep empathy and understanding 
of what it is our country is made of from the poor to the rich uh, and the difficulties and really um, the deep urgency that the president has to make sure that there's social mobility that everybody can achieve their God-given birth rights. That really is what drives it. And I think right from the beginning, um, we mentioned, let's think of Mother Ghana. Let's really think of Mother Ghana, where we are going and where we want to go. Um, so that's what leads to some of these decisions. So, I mean, for all of us, what is the Ghana dream? You know, a country in which we are a self-confident people, um, be able to make sure that our children achieve the best that they can, i.e. be able to go to schools, um, that there is health, uh, they have the skills um, for the future, uh, and truly they are entrepreneurial. You know, at some point in your life, you want the state um, to be big in it, which is all we are trying to do. But your ultimate goal is to be able to go to the bank, get your loan, use your skills, and get on with your life. That's really, in the end, is what we are aspiring for. And if we're a government that then accounts to you as Minister of um, Information enumerated, such that when we take your money, we are able to show you what we did it for. You know, but the, 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 the debate about taxes, nobody likes to take taxes. Nobody likes to pay for taxes. So that's okay, you know, we, 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 it's, it's fine to articulate that. Um, in the Bible it says, well, but you still have to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to the Lord what is the Lord. So what do we have to give to Caesar to make sure that this dream of a Ghana that we all aspire to, we get it. And there's no question that we have to pay for it. So if I look at E-Levy for instance, and I say that, well, this year we intend to collect seven billion CDs. And I look at mobile phone trans um, subscribers, and there are over 21 million of us. So assuming I divide um, this 7 billion by 21 million of us, that means it's about 300 CDs a year for each person. Divide by 12, what, 25 CDs? So when I see the energy, especially, with which um, graduates that we are making who have gone through free senior high are against E-Levy. I ask whether they are calculating what the cost is. And I ask, well, in truthfulness, does any graduate make what? More than um, 3,000 or 5,000? You know, assuming you are a graduate and you even made 100,000 CDs a year, and you transferred all of that through Momo, how much would that be? 10% of 100,000 is 10,000. So a third of that is 3,000. So 3,000 CDs for your roads 
for your free education, for all of that, and you are up in arms. So ask, I mean truly, who should be paying for it? You have every responsibility to ask me to account for it. But we as a people, we can't pretend, you know, that we don't need these resources to do what we are doing. And no graduate makes 100,000 CDs a year. So if 100,000 CDs, you are going to be paying 1.75. I mean, what, what, what is the argument about? That you are saying that the state has done nothing for you since you were born? And so therefore, I shouldn't contribute? And that is the honesty with which we as a people must begin to confront the situation. So let me look. Let me look at our population. We are now some 30 million people. So let, let's look at the unemployment, of which um, literally 56% of us are below um, the 24 age bracket, and 58% between you know 15 and 60 so you assume that um, 58 60 percent of 30 18 million you assume that these 18 million people are the people who work but when we get through the statistics it's only 2.4 million of us who are paid we are now beginning to digitalize and have addresses but the momo immediately lets me get to the 21 million people and honestly, why do you not want to participate in this? And the truth of the matter is that the world is changing. So it's becoming more of e-commerce, etc. So the old ways in which I tax you are not going to be as effective. So with e-momo, what do we achieve? We achieve all of us now paying something. Not hiding and making noise and pretending. You know, so when a politician does something, you are paying something so you can challenge. That's what depends our democracy. But if you are not paying, you know, you shout here, then you dodge, you shout here, and you dodge. And then you become a nation that is together, looking, you know, to fight these issues of debt, infrastructure, and unemployment. And the unemployment is not easy. So, for example, we have. 4.6 million of our children in primary schools. Then we go up to junior high and we end up with 1.8 million in junior high. So they ask me, so what happened to the 2.8 people? Where are they? I'm not accounting for them, I'm pretending they are not there. Then I move from junior high to senior high the 1.8 becomes 1.2 million. But even that 1.2 million, thank God for Nana Kufuad. Because most of us could not go and pay for it. It's being paid for, and we are pretending, oh, we have not got anything from government. What is government doing? Whose 400,000 people do you want to stay at home? And who should pay for that? I went to school in Chile, 
because I was born out of wedlock. And, you know, my family from the royal family were not really ready to receive, you know, this woman who had, you know, um, gotten, gotten my father to make her pregnant. It's what they'll say. Women, you know how women behave. You know? So, you know, I lived with my uncle on the farm every morning, walk one mile to JV Government Primary. You're, you know, you go to the river in the morning, you cook, you put your plantain in your pocket. Then when dad came back home, I didn't know, um, he um, decided that, mm, your baby was So I moved from my name, Nanaya Kuntunkunkun, and then they added Kenneth to it. I couldn't even spell the Kenneth. And they brought me to um, Legon Primary, where he was then uh, a professor. So that opportunity then led me, and I wasn't the smarter person in Chibi, because anytime I'm supposed to go to school, I'll find my way to Brim and go and swim. By the time I get home, you know, your body is very white, so grandma will know that I go to school. And it will be you know. So, but the intervention of that recognizing, first of all, the courage of a woman not to abort and run away from Chebi to be able to do that and keep me. And then finally, the courage of a man to be responsible to say, hmm, you know, I know my brothers have children all over the place, but me, they are going to take mine. Then I came to Legon Primary to learn how to spell Kenneth and change my name and speak English. And today, God's grace, I am what I am. So for me, the issue of expenditure in education and the intervention, you know, nobody should belittle it and say that, oh, this five years, nothing has happened, and da, 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 da. Because if I can be here, that means that all our children can do more and do better. So when we sit there, you know, I, I just feel so privileged and the responsibility of translating that experience, why God put me there, to understand what it means for opportunity to happen. And then when I came back to America, entrepreneurs will know there was no, you know, finance or capital. So my cousin gave us a little room in Cantamanto in his um, construction firm. And it is there that we began to build up, finally managed to borrow some 25,000 from some bank, and then now the firm data bank manages X amount. So you can see that you can despise small beginnings. And the, the humility of acknowledging where you've come from is then when you are thinking of policy you know, you affect it. So we have to truly be clear about appreciating where we are coming from, what it is the Lord has done for us, and how we can burden share so that others can come up. You know, so when people talk, um, I, I, I panic in my inside that are you really acknowledging what God has done for you or for your cousin? And therefore, let's talk about efficiency. How does governance, you know, 
um, be strengthened so that we don't waste money. But when you see a new way of making money for the state, which means that the old ones will diminish, then that is where we have to go for. So in 2016, we had 78 billion CDs of transfers on, on Momo. Today, we have almost a trillion, 953. The economy is changing. People are taking advantage of that. Shouldn't the state benefit to look at our debt, to look at our infrastructure, to look at our unemployment? And is it the 25 cities per average that you are paying a month that we are fighting about? Because you don't want other people to also get their birth rights? That really is what we are talking about. You know, and it's not that we are hanging our whole future on e-levy, but we know that e-levy is even going to grow more. Should we just let it go? Do you just not want to participate in the reconstruction of our country? Is that what it is about? Or is it because you are another party, you don't want this to happen? I don't know the last time we won seats in Tamale. I think Mustafa Ali won it twice or something. But it does not mean that we are not going to put resources into, into Tamale or the northern region. That does not mean that. Yeah? So really, what is it for Ghana? And then I, I looked at the population statistics, and it is scary because the top five um, um, constituencies with um, the highest population Three of them are NDC. Pong and Tamanto, between the ages of 15 and 35, 163,000. Sanerebu, 137,000. Gansau, 133,000 youth. And they are standing there saying, of all of this unemployment, we shouldn't pass E-Levy. What is a parliamentarian for? And why are we getting partisan when 137,000 lives in San Diego are at peril? They can do all they want, but they must be interested in their citizens. Because of what? An average of 25 CDs per person. So I think for me, you know, as I sit, trying to make policy understand where the president wants to go i just you know feel really sad uh, because one has by god's privilege been able to walk the poor rural life one has been able to look at the issue of starting a business and the problems that we have it's not you know the foriata standing here today uh, who's, you know, got this nice big name from the royal family that we are talking about. You know, it's about the son of the soil who has gone through this and because of certain breaks, you know, a mother making sure she was courageous enough not to abort you, father being responsible enough at a certain age to say, oh, I have somebody there. Uh, and then the opportunity of also uh, cousin giving us a small room for us to start a company that now has what maybe 400 people employed 
nine branches, 140, whatever. And it's, it's all of us who can do this. So my issue here is not to come and browbeat you about e-levy, but to truly understand what it is we are talking about for the future of our nation. And the warnings are there. The warnings are there that if we don't change our attitude and our common humanity for each other, we will perish. And it's, it's fascinating these past three weeks. Because what do we do? Because of our arguments and all of that, Ghana gets downgraded. The downgrading is not some technical thing. It means that if I go out there to try and get a billion, now I'm going to pay $50 million more a year. 10 years, that's $500 million. Because we are arguing and our people that we have sent to um, universities are also arguing, not looking at the reason why we have educated them and looking at the data and the consequences of what we do. So that's one, bad luck. Then we get on the local scene, we get into Bogoso. You know, this explosion, lives lost. Fortunately, we had a census, so we could then determine uh, the number of households that were you know, affected. So we could respond. But even that, you know, about triple the number of people came to claim that they needed benefits. So our own honest as a people. So that was also an unfortunate incident. And then the third one, that broke my back. I don't even know where Komoros is. And they beat us in soccer. Have you guys? So this dithering and, you know, shouting and talking, that is the level that will be humiliated if we don't sit up to have a clear difference between what is good for nation and what is just, you know, politics at the expense of the republic. You know, and the Bible is very clear. If a people speak in one language, there will be no restraint to what they can do. Finance Minister Ken Oforiata speaking there in Tamale at the town hall meeting on the E-Levy. And that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sandama, the production by Beverly London, Zoe Abube Duado, Sixus Don Ulu, and Anas Seidu. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. Eyewitness News will be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Stay blessed, stay safe, and stay with 97.3 CTFM Relevant Radio, always. <laughs>